It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the trip to Benetton. On Zoom tonight, I've got William Davis and Danny Deegan. Hi, guys. Good evening, Alan. How are things, guys? Okay, William, who were you Zooming with yesterday? Because we're recording this on Tuesday, but we actually had the, we had the press conference on Monday because the game is on Friday. Oh, yeah. Who are you chatting to? Yeah, we had uh, for the first time uh, Oshin Dowling. And for the first time this season, uh, we had Pete Wilkins doing the coach role. What's the mood this morning? That was an important win on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good mood this morning. Everyone's delighted to get the win. It was a, a very good card of side. Uh, I did grind them out, but uh, yeah, we're all delighted to get the win now. It's good to get a few on the balance now. You had a long run into the start of your season. You, you, you came with an injury, which you were rehabbing. You've been, you know, that was a slow process, and you've 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 come through that now. Um, can you give us an idea how how that went for you? Because this is the first time we've spoken to you since you came to Connacht. Yeah, it's obviously frustrating coming into a new environment, being injured and stuff. Um, you kind of feel like you're on the outside a small bit and stuff, kind of trying to meet new people and get integrated into the squad a bit and stuff. So from that point of view, it was a bit difficult. But um, yeah, like with the physios, uh, Dave Hanley's, he, he did, uh, got me back right. And so I'm just delighted to be back now uh, playing again. Body feels good. So yeah, really happy with it. And looking forward to, to Friday night in Benetton. Um, it, do you, how hard is it to disregard the fact they haven't won a game all season and they haven't really been playing particularly well and they're probably going to have most of their team off on uh, Italian duty? So how do you park that? Because th- this has banana skin written all over it if you don't don't get the, get yeah. the set up right here. Yeah, I think you're kind of putting yourself in a dangerous place if you start thinking like that, like they haven't won games and stuff. Um, you kind of need to always be mentally switched on because over a team, like anyone can beat anyone we've seen over the years and stuff like that. And these things happen where game where people put out big performances and stuff like this. So you just kind of have to stay focused the whole time and just not switch off and prepare like you would for any other big game any other week. What's the overriding feeling from 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 Saturday evening? Because that that was a must win game and it it had its squeaky moments but uh, a good win in the end it, it was a good win in the end and um, I mean as you alluded to there it, it was hugely important for us on, on a number of different levels obviously uh, the points um, in terms of uh, you know push to stay in connection at, at the top of the, the conference and the top of the competition that was important um, Cardiff being you know chasing our tails there for a while to put a bit of distance between us and them was very important uh, Scarlet's winning earlier in the day it was very important and then you know obviously the, the sort of sub narrative around our home form which hasn't been as as uh, consistent as we would have wanted across the year so you know there was a few balls in play there but we were uh, you know very satisfied to get the result and um, you know the result was the all important thing in the context of those areas I've mentioned but also um, you know whilst Cardiff had their periods of possession and periods of momentum within the game we always felt like we were in control. Even sort of that first 20, 25 minutes, we didn't see much of the ball and, and there was a fair bit of defending, but we always felt like we had the plan once we actually got some possession, got a chance to sort of work our way down the field. So 
certainly in the coach's box, there, there wasn't any degree of panic, panic. There was a feeling of control and feeling that the plan still fitted. And, um, you know, for us to get the reward at the end there and get the bonus point as well was, was testament to, to how well the lads approached that. Now, Benetton coming up on Friday evening. They haven't won a game all season. They probably should have beaten Munster. They're probably still trying to work out how they didn't. Um, is is that I, I said to Washington? Is that just a banana skin? Are you, if you're not a hundred percent on with this, no matter how poor they are, results wise or performance wise. So how do you how do you fix that issue? That you're you're not thinking about Munster next week. You're just thinking Benetton half six Italian time Friday. No, hundred percent. Look, I think there's there's already a natural focus and a natural awareness of its potential as a banana skin. And, and part of that is because uh, we've come off a tough game with a short turnaround. Um, so that immediately refocuses minds, even from our, our team meeting that we had this morning to, um, to wrap up the review from Cardiff and, and present our, our attack and defence previews for Benetton. You know, we're already referencing the shortness of the turnaround and the importance to be efficient with our meeting times and our training times and, and to make sure we're using every moment to prepare ourselves. So I think that short turnaround in a strange way actually helps focus minds really early in the week. Um, there's also the fact that any away game in Italy, uh, the general narrative is that they're games that we should be winning. And um, at the same time, whether it's uh, Benetton or Zebra, they're attacking teams that if the, if the game gets loose, uh, they can certainly punish you. And, um, you know, statistically speaking, as you said, the, the wins and losses haven't been great for Benetton this year. But statistically speaking, there's games there where if you just looked at the numbers, they should have won them. They did enough to win them. Um, and really the consistent thing that's actually been hurting them this season is the amount of turnovers they've conceded. So it's not that they're not creating opportunities. It's not that they're not getting run meters. Uh, they generate a lot of kick meters with a long kicking game. There's a lot to be said for them, but it's the turnovers that have hurt them. Now, how they manage that themselves will determine how much of a threat they are to us on the weekend, but equally how much pressure we put on them to keep those turnovers coming will be really important. So when you actually break down, you know, the things they've been doing well and the things they haven't quite delivered on this year, you realize that they're a dangerous beast. Um, And as you said, there's games there that that on many other occasions they would have won, be it a a last minute, something out of the bag from, uh, you know, an opposition player or, or just them, conceding one of those crucial turnovers. So um, there's enough there to be focused about in our preparation and certainly enough for us to um, to not take this fixture lightly. And, and the momentum we've now generated coming out of that Cardiff result in terms of the win itself, but also the conference standings, um, you know, it'd be criminal not to build on that now. And um, so the, the group's already pretty focused at, at this stage of the week. There's no time to be lost in that respect. Peter, in a sense, though, you were the last game of the previous round on Saturday evening. You're the first game of the current round of reasonably at a fairly early time on Friday. How condensed does that make this week in the sense that you're traveling on Thursday as well? So you effectively have three days. Do you focus, does it become very much Benetton focused or can you can you sort of pick up any small problems that happened on the weekend that you spotted? Do you does it is it totally team focused or can you have any time with individuals just on those little things that you may have spotted at the week? Um, it's a good question, Dave. There is enough time. I, I think that's the important thing and, and for us to recognise as coaches and also to make sure that the players understand that as well. There is enough time to prepare. In the normal flow of our week on a Monday, we're, we're probably 
partly looking back at, at remedial work from the game just gone and, and partly installing the game plan for the following game. So our Monday today's session um, doesn't change particularly from what it would normally be in a regular week. Where the change comes is that, that we end up merging our Tuesday and Wednesday training sessions. So a normal Tuesday for us would be, I suppose, a bit more of a, a development focus in terms of working on our game and, and trying to improve that, whereas a Wednesday would be a bit more of an opposition focus, 15 on 15, and I suppose trying to replicate some of the scenarios we might expect on the weekend. So in a shorter week like this, it means that that Tuesday, Wednesdays combined, there's a bit of self-development because we want to keep promoting that growth as a team and as individual players as well. Um, but you're also putting in there the Benetton content in terms of you know, defending some of the opposition plays that that we've uh, that we've researched in our scout, and and also trying to execute our game plan and our plays that we want to put in. So Tuesday becomes a bigger day and, and an important day for us. But there still is enough time as long as you're using that space around training sessions as well. So part of it, part of our talk to the players this morning was about how they're using their their individual skills time, whether that's on the Astro turf here out the back or or whether that's post-session when they're doing their extras, how they're using their review time. Um, you know, it's all very well talking about outworking an opponent on the weekend, but actually that can start on the Monday and, and using every window that's available. And as long as you do that, then then there certainly is enough time, but it's um, it's very much on us to make sure we do so. Okay, yeah, that was a, a very satisfactory win at the weekend. I think Pete seemed fairly pleased with it. William, we did get your immediate thoughts after the game from from the recording of Galway Bay, but you know you've had a few days to think about it now. Have any, anything else come to mind as to the good and the bad from the result last weekend? Yeah, I thought there was forty good minutes and forty maybe minutes where Connacht weren't quite at it. I I was disappointed with their their start to the second half because they really had a chance to put that game away. They had three visits to the twenty two in about the first six and a half to eight minutes. And they didn't. They were very, very average about what they tried to do there. And it then got quite tricky. Uh, you know, Cardiff got back to within three points in this game when Domachowski scored. And the good thing about that was that Connacht then upped it immediately and, 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 and replied immediately. Yeah, I, I feel I had a part to play in that because I started to get worried. So I took out my whiskey and I had a dram of whiskey and then I felt so much better. And then the team started going well. So I must do that from now on. Unfortunately, when you're on air, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, but, but but I think that was that was a good sign. Um, you know, the two first half tries were excellent. So overall, it was five good points well earned. And they, they, they needed that. And now they have to follow up with this game against Benetton, of which has a prize. Bonus point win on Friday night in uh, Treviso and Connacht will finish at least third in this conference. They cannot be caught if the season, if the season (laughs) plays out as it's currently scheduled. We have to put that caveat in every time. We certainly do. Okay, Danny, what about... What are your thoughts? What did what did you see? You, you were taking some stats, um, sending them on to me during the game, um, which I couldn't use in the podcast because it was so cold afterwards. I just needed to get out of there. I thought Lindley was going to shake herself to death. Um, so yeah, any, anything anything interesting? Anything specific? In the first half, Connacht did uh, did make use of those twenty two entries. Uh, they had four four entries and took four scores from from those entries, um, which was good to see. It's a mm-hmm. it's a good conversion rate. Now that did drop slightly 
to two out of five in the second half, but um, it's six out of nine overall is is still pretty good for Connacht. Watching watching the game myself, uh, I never I was never overly worried, but one 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 thing that uh, has kind of started to creep into games quite a lot more, um, and Niall Shield Packy had mentioned it after the game as well. It, the refs seem to be making uh, having a bigger effect on games lately. Um, I know a lot of Cardiff fans were very unhappy with the way Andrew Brace refed the game, um, especially for that that uh, second last try, saying that the lineup was crooked. But then again, there was a forward pass that in the build up to their try. What I would, would like to know is why aren't TMOs getting more involved? Like that that forward pass was so blatantly obvious. The guys on TG Car were hammering the ref for about ten minutes afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I'd look forward. I think Tom Brady would have been pleased with it. It was such a good <laughs> forward pass. Um, but yeah, I suppose I don't I don't like hammering the refs too much. Yes, they, they they make mistakes, but I would be on the view that yeah, the TMO is the one you really want to hammer there. There's an awful lot going on the field. Um you know, yeah, I, 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 I can I see I can see where people were annoyed, but you know, you don't want to don't want to like don't like hammering the refs too much. No, I don't I don't want to hammer the refs, but uh, when it's when it's clear and obvious, you, you would like to see it. Uh, be actioned on because yeah. it, it, it completely changed the game if that's a forward pass Cardiff don't score it, it's a different start to the game that's that's just my point you know when it when it's clear and obvious like that you'd like to think that uh, the TMOs would step in because that's what they're there for yeah the TMO issue is 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 there all the time as to what their role is and how they can intervene and 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 what you do because rugby is a game of phase play, I, I can't understand why they just can't go back and look at it and say to the referee, I'm looking at something. But it is an issue because you see it when the TV audience can see a blatant mistake like that. It does bring into question the system. It's why reviews were eventually brought into high-level cricket. But at some stage, the protocols might have to change on this. And... Better, better link of communication, but be very aware that if you slow the game down any further, it might come to a standstill. Yeah, I totally understand that. Uh, the, the one thing I'd be looking at is that even you see it during the Six Nations that you do have the TMO talking to the ref and you can hear him coming in saying, there's, there's something I didn't like, I'm going to go back and check that. And the ref will say, okay, yeah, and keep the game playing. You know, that that's all I'm looking for. At well, our level well, as well. well, we're told that does happen at our level, but we sometimes we, we don't, don't hear it. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. because it's a different feed. The TMO is part of the uh, the match officiating panel, hmm. and he's a human being other than like VAR in mm-hmm. the Premier League, which is an utter shambles. <laughs> don't ever, ever, ever let anything like that happen in rugby where they start drawing lines and boxes. But it's something they have to consider because it's still an issue if the TV audience are sitting at home going, well, I know that's wrong. And the crowd in the ground aren't sure. It's it's a tricky one. I, mean, I know we haven't got crowds at the moment, but we will sometime. We will indeed. We will indeed. And talking of crowds and needing crowds, Six Nations is back this weekend. And that's a competition that definitely needs crowds because that's where the money comes from for professional rugby Right across Northern Europe and probably around the world is these these big international games and Ireland have a big challenge against Italy, but they haven't made a haven't made any interesting changes to their squad as of yet. 
unfortunately. Oh, they haven't. They, I, I'm not surprised. I thought they'd they'd, they'd go again. Um, it's a high pressure game because they have to win this, and they're expected to win it. Italy haven't won a game since uh, 2015 in the Six Nations, and I don't really see them winning on Saturday. If they do, then there are going to be major problems. Um, I suspect if Ireland maybe had won one or both of their opening games, they might have been more prepared to make a change. But now it's about digging out a result over there. And we'll have to see who is who is selected and see what sort of game it is. I would say very similar to what Connacht are up against. And Italy are a far better side than Benetton will be on Friday night. Let's see Ireland try to beat them with a bit of skill. I don't get into an arm wrestle with them. Try to actually back yourself to play a bit of rugby. Whether that happens, I don't know. But that's what I that's what I would like to see. But I suspect it'll be grind away for sixty to sixty five minutes, and then hopefully run in a couple of scores. That's that would be the be the norm. It's very much what England did. Uh, and it's France did take them on with skill in the first round. And Italy replied with a lot of skill in that game. They just didn't have enough ball and enough presence to get it done. So it'll 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 be an interesting one. It's it's a it's a fascinating challenge. But the real game on Saturday is Wales is England against Wales. The betting has already started. Which English player will get sent off? Uh, somebody <laughs> somebody suggested on a WhatsApp group last night to me that England should just volunteer to play with fourteen. Just take somebody out before the game starts. <laughs> Obviously, Scotland and France on Saturday has got COVID hanging over it. Um, I don't know what happened, but I will make this observation. France are casting around as to where they caught COVID. It has been suggested that they caught it in Ireland. That's kind of irrelevant. It's how you manage it. Mm, And with now eight players and four coaches, suggests they weren't following their own protocols. Enough of that. One more thing before we get back to our, our rugby. Actually, no, two more things before we get back to the Pro 14. The Lions. Well, I suppose they are they are related. The Lions and the Rainbow Cup. Are we are we going to get a Lions tour of the UK? Are we going to get a Lions tour of Australia? Are the Lions going to just have a crikey? What is happening with the Lions? They keep putting off the dates. Yeah, it's, it's next month now. Um, I don't think they're going to Australia. I don't think they're going to South Africa. I think they will be coming. South Africa will be coming up here. Played three test matches, one in Cardiff, one in London. And I think they hope Dublin because uh, the other option is go, to, is go to Murrayfield. Murrayfield is bigger than the Aviva. And mm. it'll all depend on the crowd issues. Look, we've just had our COVID plan announced tonight by Antishuk. Uh Boris Johnson has a different plan in Britain. He's saying mm. it's all over by June the 21st and the crowds will be back and who knows. So I th- I think they'll make a decision to bring them up here. The bottom line is this: South Africa won the World Cup in October two thousand and nineteen. They have not played an international rugby match since that night in mm-hmm. uh, Yokohama. That's terrible for them. They're the world champions. They haven't got on a rugby field as South Africa. Uh, England have had two Six Nations in the middle of the second one where they beat in the final. Similarly, Wales, New Zealand have only had six games. So if you look at the four semi-finalists, but to be the winners and not play any rugby must be disheartening mm-hmm. and frustrating. So I, I, I think that'll be the agreed solution. 
There's also a theory around that the UK government might be asked to indemnify the Lions for the costs of this. Whether that'll happen or not, I don't know. I'm not that keen on it. I have to say, in in this scenario, I'd be I'd be much more interested in watching the Haguaris joining the Pro 18, because if we have the Pro 16 with the four South Africans, if the Haguaris come in and they play in Bilbao, as they're talking about, then we might even see the cheeses and we could talk to Morgan Peake again with, about what's happening down in Blumfontein. But um, what, do you, what do you think about that, Danny? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see them come in. Not that I watched a whole hell of a lot of um, Super Rugby, but when I did watch it, uh, I, I did enjoy watching the Haguaras. Um, I also love their kits. Their kits were awesome. So Yes, they did have the best kits in, in club rugby in the world. They were always awesome. Yeah. What do you reckon, William? Trip to Bilbao. Bilbao. There's a nice long ferry, I believe. Santander. Yeah, there's, very long, there's a long, a long ferry. Yeah, you're welcome to that. Yeah, it's not a bad city. Wouldn't be one of my favourite places. I have been there, but it was grand. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, look, in, in this time, anything's possible. But this is a long way off. This is yeah. this is their problem. They need a fast solution. We haven't even got the South African teams in yet. It's for the future. It's probably tied up with look. It's tied up with a lot of things. This Rainbow Cup continues to bobble around. Um, the more you look at what was announced here this evening, that's not going to happen. I just, I just, I just cannot see a fix for this. So it's how you do they do they end the season as they've planned. Mm-hmm. Or do they go back and play a full 22-game Pro 14 season and finish it out the way that was initially planned? The Rainbow Cup, it's unless they produce some magical idea, mm. uh, it's not going to happen. Okay, so we'll come to the last section of our podcast where we preview the Benetton game. The Connacht team were training in pretty awful weather today, it has to be said, but looking at the forecast for Treviso, they're going to have, on Thursday, I think they're travelling on Thursday and it's going to be 19 degrees and sunny. And then on Friday, they're kicking off at half five Irish time and it's going to be 16 or 17 degrees and sunny. So lucky them, I suppose. Um, and they, they seemed... I, I, I'm thrilled for them. That's just yeah. <laughs> cheered me up enormously, Alan. Well, at least we'll be able to watch them and, and um, we'll, be, we'll be commentating over in TG Cahar. Okay, before we get William's thoughts on this, Danny, throw some stats to us there. Connacht have won the last six matches playing against Benetton, um, having scored a minimum of 22 points. And the most points they've conceded was 19 in any of those games. So it's looking good for Connacht for this weekend. How many players are Benetton missing to the Italian national team, who of course are playing Ireland, following day 16 players are in the national squad that play for Benetton and from what I can see there's also seven other players that are injured that are not available for Benetton or Italy right so our chances of of getting our second ever try bonus point in Treviso appear to have improved somewhat William well I think you see look they haven't won a game all season so it's it's one look it's just I think I sent a WhatsApp road yesterday. It's like the banana skin joke in Tom and Jerry. That's what it is. It's just this huge banana skin. They're so aware of it. They, I thought Pete Wilkins was very good yesterday. He didn't really want to talk Benetton up. How can you talk up a team that's lost 11 out of 11 with five bonus points? And, and with the exception maybe of the game against uh, Munster, which they should have won. We'll come back yes. to that in a second. Uh, they they have been pretty pretty poor all season. 
Uh, Kieran Crowley is leaving at the end of the season, going to be uh, a year early on his contract, has done a really good job there. Look, they were they must be sick of Munster. The time that we lost in Belfast in that quarterfinal, semi-final playoff, that afternoon in Thoman Park, they were 60 seconds away from beating Munster and they gave away one of the most stupid penalties I think I've ever seen. Mm. I'm really surprised that I don't know who the Benetton player was. I'm really surprised one of his teammates didn't clock him mm-hmm. because he looked so shocked. Mm. But what he did was so stupid. He just went in and put his hands on the Munster book. I mean, it was, but they had them. And then a couple of weeks ago, Munster went down there and they were two points down. And we were in the 80th minute and they gave away another stupid penalty in the Munster 22. Munster hoofed it up the field and JJ Hanrahan dropped the goal. Uh, and Munster, I think that night, tried to beat Benetton by getting into an arm wrestle. I'm going to say exactly what I said about Ireland. I would like to see Connacht go down there and back their skills and beat them that way. I think that's the way you beat a side like that hasn't won a game. Don't give them any, don't bring them into this game at all. They kick a lot and they also try, when they have ball in hand, a lot of offloads, which is grand. But if you close that down, they're inclined on second or third or fifth phase, they give away a penalty. Yeah. So Connick's job is keep it tight, but when you get the chance, expand this game, use your skills, show some of the skills they showed against Cardiff, the handling skills, the tip pass, run good lines, and they should get this job done. But they still recognise that it's a banana skin. It's just oh, it yeah. has that. Well, look well, of- like, yeah, you talk about offloads. They are first in the league with offloads. In the Britain, sorry, they are first in the championship on offloads with ninety-three offloads so far this season. But, but is that desperate? But is that desperation? I was going to say that that's that's matched. That's matched by the fact that they've got the worst defence in the league. Uh, well, the other thing that I noticed is that um, Connacht nearly scored double the tries that Benetton have scored this so far this season mm. uh, Connacht 41 tries and Benetton only have 23 that's a key one but but the other thing was when we beat them here in uh, early December that game got very loose so that sort of they, they didn't really get into it but if you keep it tight they don't have they don't create much they work off mistakes but it's if you give them little errors you know stupid penalties they move it down the the pitch it's very obvious stuff but it's just everybody needs to be on the same wavelength and the same plan and Connacht might make a few changes this week there's a few players there need some game time now that you know that's okay okay I'll tell you what something we don't normally do let's try and predict the team go on William you can go first give us our give us your full back from full back in all right, fullback. I uh, I think John Porch needs a bit of a rest, so mm-hmm. I'm going to put uh, Tiernan O'Halloran at fullback. Um, I definitely will have Alex Wooten because he's just scoring tries for fun, and I think when a player's in that much form, you keep him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other winger, Peter Sullivan, might get another run. I think Matt Healy's another possibility to, and it'll be the two wingers from la- from last weekend. Mm. Uh, the centres is centre a bit thin at the minute because you know Bundy's gone back to Ireland. Yeah. Peter Robb is injured. Sammy Arnold is injured. Uh, so I'm going to throw out um, Daly will be there, mm-hmm. and possibility maybe uh, Connor Fitzgerald. 
did move. He did move there for the Eagles in the second half of that game against Munster two weeks ago that we were at. Right, right. Interesting. Um, I would have Jack Jack. I would leave Jack Carty at ten. Yeah. And I, I, I've only put Kieran Marmion at nine because I think that's the way they've been going all season. They've been swapping that position. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a that's a fairly solid team, yeah, and I think absolutely. that's what they'll do again. But that's only my that's only my that's, that's my, that that would be my surmise. And I haven't really made a lot of changes there. Haven't just said that there's maybe Danny can throw up a few new ones in the forwards. Yeah, um, I'm kind of looking at it. it's like a, I think Dennis might need a break. Um, yeah. I know Duggan started last week, but was he carrying a knock? So I, I'm I'm thinking more either Duggan or McAllister. At Loosehead, uh, well, Delahunt, yeah. because that's uh, the last time Paddy McAllister even started a game for us. Holy cow, it's the Scarlets, the loss to the Scarlets. He really got injured, so he got his hand yeah, injured after that. Injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but, he did, but, but he did, he did play for the Eagles as well. He did, he did, yep. and he was very good too. If I remember, he was showed a lot of leadership out there. Sorry, go on, Dan. Yeah, uh, two uh, or Hooker, a uh, Delahunt. Mm-hmm. Um, three I think Beelum just purely um, and it's not have an issue at scrum time they've given quite a number of penalties away um, at scrum time they've given away 18 okay. oh no sorry they've conceded nine, 29 uh, penalties at scrum time so I think we'll go with a bit of an experienced front row okay um, in the second row um, with Alton gone and Rue injured uh, I think Dowling might get a bit of a call up because he's done well in his last two cameos mm-hmm. um, and Thornbury beside him. Um, and then the back row, I think Boyle and Butler. So you've got Boyle at eight, Butler at seven. Um, I think at six, I think Owen needs a break. So I think I'm going to throw in his brother, Sean. All oh, right. Yes. Yes. Haven't seen him for a little while. Okay. So there's a, there's a few changes there. Not not too bad. Just just freshen it up, but out because you don't want to lose. You don't want to make too change too many changes after a good win that you had last week. And you know you do have to win this because if we don't win this, then the season you know the season's over. As as you say, William, we win this, and we're guaranteed third place, and we still keep the pressure on Munster. Yeah, I I think in the in the it was an interesting press conference. It was different. There was I said to you last week there was a real buzz at the press conference. I wasn't quite there this week, but there was. Pete was very uh, good about what they have to do to win this game. And I think he said they wouldn't make changes for the sake of it, but you have to keep players playing as well. So there could be other changes there. They they might just decide uh, that they need to change the whole thing up. And they've also got to be confident that they should be able to put nearly any side on the pitch to win this. Yes. That's where you're at. Uh, an experienced bench might be the other way to go, that if it's getting messy, uh, you could bring some real experience experience off the bench. But it, it, it's that type of game. It's it's there to be won. You know, if you, as you say, if you lose this, all the good work starts to dissipate. If you win it with a bonus point, you're guaranteed at least third on mm. the current plan. So the, the pressure, I don't think Benetton are under any pressure. No. I don't think anything's expected. No. The pressure's on Connacht and how they manage it and how they they want to see their decision making and how they uh, how clinical they can be. Um, but and if like they Bre- play- Breton have got a couple of new like I know like 
they've announced that Kieran Crowley's leaving, but they, they, there's some new coaches in. They, what, is it Gustard? Is it Paul Gustard? Isn't he's a yeah, he's a pretty high profile coach that they've brought well, in. He, well, he was the head coach at Harlequins up to a few weeks ago. Um, well, what else has he done, Dan? He's done other stuff, hasn't he? Well, he won. He was the um, defense coach with Saracen for seven years, uh, winning three premierships, a Heineken Champions Cup, and he was also uh, the Six Nations England defense coach, which where they won two Six Nations trophies. Okay, well, maybe a bonus point might be a bit more difficult to get hold of this weekend, but let's get the win to start with. I suppose the job he has is to see what material he has to work with. I think defensive systems take a while to come in. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, just, just out of experience of kind of going through defensive systems, I don't see them changing too much this season. I think it'll all be done in the preseason. He, he'll, he'll start putting in ideas into guys' head, but I don't think he'll be making too many different different changes. Now, I think it's too late in this season. Yeah, especially where they are. I, I Look, next season for them is maybe next season is make or break for Italian rugby. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they can keep not winning Six mm. Nations games and everybody just sitting saying, this is great. It's lovely. We all love our trip to Rome. Mm-hmm. And I think the same applies to those two teams in the Pro 14. They have to start showing something yeah. really solid. So his decision. And the head coach is changing as well, Alan. Marco Portolami is coming in. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in on that one. Yeah. Uh, he's already with Benetton. Um, he's been coaching their forwards for the last five years, so he's taken just he's just taken a step up um, and taken over the head coach role. All right. Okay. Well, I think I, I think the the issue about that is that again, it's an Italian in charge of an Italian side, which we've wanted to see for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe Sergio Perez could be persuaded to come back into that setup as well at international level as a coach. And then there's an ex-Connacht coach has just joined them, Alan. This was this was this was my cue for you, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, um, yes, William Jim Jim Maloney, who was the strength and conditioning coach in Connacht for a number of years, he also strength and conditioning coach at Munster too. Um, before he joined us, um, so has a has a decent track record. I think you might even. Might even been in Connacht at the time, Danny. When he was, you were in and around the Connacht area at the time. You might you might even know him a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I had a couple of conversations with him, but it, uh, and I know he he was well liked. You could even see on on Twitter. I think uh, Michael Swift congratulated him. So their their plan is next season. That's yeah, that's what they're that's looking. What, that's certainly what that's certainly what it looks like. Getting everything in place for for next season. Uh, okay, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover there uh, yeah we'll have our little mini pod so this this will go on this will be out a day early because the game's a day early so this is going to go out a day early i'm going to get this edited tonight and get it out tomorrow morning um and then you're going to chat to someone hopefully william one of the coaches before they, they head off after the team is picked well i'm actually hoping to talk to them in italy ah, when they've had their course. captains run because their their timings are a bit out for trying to record uh, and it will be uh, Nigel Carlin. I'm hoping to talk to. All right, good now, stuff. We, so we'll so we'll talk about who they've picked and what they're expecting. They're having a captain's run on Thursday afternoon at the uh, stadium. Uh, see if we've picked the team that they've picked, or discover that they've picked a completely different team. <laughs> we've selected. There you go. That's all part of the fun of it, isn't it? It certainly is. It certainly is. I'm just looking at a picture of that stadium with blue skies and the sunshine, and I think that's what they're going to be going to. So hopefully they'll they'll um, enjoy it. Thanks, guys. We'll finish with results and fixtures from William.
Results from the Pro 14, Friday the 19th of February. Dragons 29, Leinster 35. Glasgow Warriors 13, Ulster 19. And on Saturday the 20th of February, Scarlets 41, Benetton 17. Ospreys 10, Zebra 0. Connacht 32, Cardiff Blues 17. Edinburgh 10, Munster 22. And the fixtures for next weekend, Friday, February the 26th, Benetton versus Connacht with a 5.30pm kickoff Irish time. Cardiff Blues versus Munster, 8pm. Ulster versus the Ospreys, also at 8pm. Saturday the 27th of February, Edinburgh versus Scarlets at 12 o'clock. And Zebre versus the Dragons at 5.15pm. And finally, on Sunday the 28th of February, Leinster versus the Glasgow Warriors with a 5.30 p.m. kickoff. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side 